the way we view success is like never enough, you know, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I guess for me at some point it was like, no, if I launch it, it's success. And then no, if I get this many listeners, it's success. So I think every day I have to talk myself into like being present, happy with you right now and everything can change at any second. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. success is just like, doing what like you feel like you are doing like value not just for you but also for other people mm -hmm. and so like reevaluate your vision of success i think that's the first thing that you mm -hmm. should think about welcome to gladiatrix i am woman and hear me roar i'm your host malini sarma every week I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the amazing, beautiful, badass women who have been guests on this show. I had a mission to travel to every country in the world. But since that didn't work out, my new mission is to speak to at least one woman from every country in the world. There are 193 countries, and I still have at least 181 to go. If you know of somebody who has an amazing story to tell, let me know. I'm all years. And if you want to know which countries have already been featured, check it out on the world map on my website at m. A-L-I-N-I-S-A-R-M-A dot com. Malinisarma.com. That is M-A-L-I-N-I-S-A-R-M-A dot com. Today, we're speaking with Alejandra Pérez. Alejandra is from Medellín, Colombia, and studied design at the university in Bogotá. Living in a society where it is considered taboo to talk about sexuality and intimacy, Alejandra is changing the narrative. Founder of The Black Bean, a design studio looking to create an environment of products and services around intimacy for the Latin American audience, Alejandra launched Intimacy Stories Podcast as one of those services. And this is her story. Hola, Alejandra, how are you? Hola, how are you? I'm very honored and happy to be here. Oh, no, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited and I'm really excited about um, about your podcast and what you do because I don't think there are a lot of people in your part of the world doing what you do. So I'm really excited for the rest of the world to hear your story. So you're from Medellin, Colombia? Yeah. And you that's where you were born and brought up? I was born here. I lived here till I was like 17. Uh -huh. Then I moved to Bogota, the capital city of Colombia. Uh -huh. And I've, I, lived, I lived there until I was like 24. And then I moved back to Medellin. And I've been living between Medellin and Bogota for the past two years. Okay. So, so tell me a little bit about growing up. What was it like? You know, did you have siblings? What did you want when you grew up? You know, what did your parents want you to be when you grew up? I have a younger brother. Um, he actually lives in the United States right now. Uh, he's two years younger than me. Mm -hmm. mm, Medellin, well, Colombia. It's um, it's a wonderful country, but it's a country 
that everything is like black or white and there are like huge gaps between like the possibilities of people, right? Mm -hmm. So I was brought up in a very privileged household that my parents had worked really, really, really hard to -hmm. give me a childhood that was different from the ones they had. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to give me many opportunities and they worked really hard to do that. Mm. So it's a country where you can clearly see who has a privilege and who doesn't. And the gap is like gigantic, you know, like the fact that I'm here speaking in English, Mm -hmm. it's already like showing how big and how privileged I am because I think only like 5% or 6% of the population in Colombia has access to English education during school years. So you went to like a private school that taught you English. So you learned English like from the time you were in school. Okay, exactly. Okay. So growing up, since you came from a, like what you're saying, like a privileged background because you speak English and you, you know, went to a good school. So did your parents have expectations as to what they want you to grow up? You know, like, oh, I want her to be a doctor or an engineer. Did, did they have that kind of thing? Or was it like, no, go, you know, I would be happy to do what you do. Or how was it? I think they for sure had expectation, not only my parents, but I think grownups around me, you know, like mm-hmm. my parents were very careful always with not telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. They were like, follow your dreams, blah. But I remember my aunts, my parents' friends, my mm-hmm. cousins, they're mm-hmm. like, your parents have built a super stable company. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have to go and continue work, working with them. Mm-hmm. So when I was 17, they're like, you're super young. I mean, you're definitely not old enough right. to decide. I wasn't even old, old enough to vote, but I had Ooh. to decide uh-huh. on a career path. So mm-hmm. I remember... I was always very good at art, design. It was Mm -hmm. like my thing. And I wanted to work, to go to school in Parsons in New York. Mm -hmm. I applied, I went there. um, But my parents, they have a construction company. So I remember everyone was like, oh, fine. If you like art and construction, then you should be an architect. Mm -hmm. Super easy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's very expensive for a foreign student right. to go to United States. Like right. it's a big sacrifice, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was like moving from Colombia to go to New York to live in a tiny, tiny apartment. I was 17. I didn't know if I want, like I wasn't sure. And it was a lot of pressure. So I was like, fine, I'm going to do architecture. And everyone was like, no, great designers are architects. So I was like, fine, okay, I'll try architecture. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Bogota. I, I think I did a semester after the first month I was like no architecture is not my thing I Mm -hmm. appreciate architecture Mm -hmm. but I don't want to to do this for a living I Mm -hmm. I remember my mom she doesn't speak English that well so if she listens to this (laughs) I think she might get mad that I'm going to say this but she told me something that was pretty tough I remember Mm, I called my parents Mm -hmm. and I told my dad you need to come to Bogota I need to talk to you I was still 17 Mm-hmm. like a teenager a mm-hmm. child this is your first and your first semester at, in college in yeah university. my first semester in college but I already knew I didn't want architecture mm-hmm. I'm a very passionate person and I'm super competitive and I was zero competitive about architecture for mm-hmm. me it was like I don't care like mm-hmm. I don't want to be the best mm-hmm. I don't want to go to extra workshops which mm-hmm. meant I just wasn't into it mm-hmm. and they came to Bogota and we went out for lunch mm-hmm. and my dad like Years later, the day I graduated, he told me this story. So okay. um, we got to the lunch. We went to a sushi place mm-hmm. and we ordered. And I remember 
I began to say, I'm not going to continue architecture. I already applied. I'm going to do a double major in business and design. Mm-hmm. So I remember I chose this design because I love design mm-hmm. and being an overachiever child, I was like, okay, I'm going to do a double major with business because in my brain, design wasn't enough. Right. And I always also always felt guilty about the privileges that I had. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always felt like I had to do like an extra mile, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I said that and my parents were like, he, my dad didn't say anything. He was like, okay, I support you. Mm-hmm. And my mom said something that she's a great person, like the best person <laughs> ever. Don't get me wrong. But she said, dropping out of architecture to doing design is like dropping out of being a doctor to be a nurse, mm-hmm. which it's not saying that one of two is not good or bad, but like, I think she said it with love, but she goes, she was scared. And South America, it's a country where getting opportunities in the design world is really hard. hard. If it's hard in the United States, you can't imagine South America. Right, right. And I remember I cried my eyes out, mm-hmm. but I was like, no, I don't want to be an architect. I'm going to continue with this. You were, you were more upset because your mom was not happy about it, right? Yeah, That's and a- I've always wanted my mom to agree with everything I do. And mm-hmm. I think only the past years I've come to be at peace. Mm-hmm. Like with little things, I bought mm-hmm. a, like a, um, a painting for my wall. Mm-hmm. And I was mom, do you like it? She was mm-hmm. like, mm, no, not. And I was like, <laughs> and she told me, I don't have to like everything you like. It's right. fine. But I've always wanted like her approval. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I, I, I can do that. You're an older, you're the older child, aren't you? Yeah. The eldest. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a kind of an elder child syndrome. I'm the same way, so I understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you did design and you loved it. I loved it. I love design and I also love business. And your parents finally are okay with it. Your dad was okay, but your yeah, but your mom was they when you graduated. They were they must have been really proud of you. Yeah, she was real proud, and she said that she always supported me. But I remember that day. I <laughs> <laughs> no, that was. Yeah. Approval does make, you know, when you're young, especially when you, when you want to spread your wings, you want that support. So, but the fact that you completed it and you uh, made them proud so that, you know, it kind of balances out. So now you, um, so you study design, but now you're actually, uh, you have a podcast that talks about sexuality, which is, I'm sure, because I know in India it is, in, in your culture, it is a huge taboo subject because that's not something that people talk about very freely. Mm-hmm. So how did how did that e- idea even come up? How did it even prompt you to start thinking about that? Okay, so my design background. Um, at our school, it was just like plain blank design. It wasn't okay. like product design, graphic design, which was very weird at the time, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit still now. Mm-hmm. But like the school I went to is La Universidad de los Andes in Bogota, a great school. Mm-hmm. The, um, the f- design faculty, they had great teachers and they had this idea of the, I don't know if you have heard this term that is like the spoon, what's it called? Like the spoon to cradle design, which okay. means that you can design a spoon or a CD or whatever. Everything has like the same basis. Okay. So we were taught human-centered design and design thinking throughout our career. And then you could choose which kind of design you wanted to focus on. I like the service design, experience design. Mm-hmm. I love the, the whole world of taking a concept and in, like push, pushing that concept 
into a whole like business. And I think it just framed the way my brain works. Mm -hmm. And I always think first about like, the user, like who am I designing for? And mm -hmm. then about what I'm designing. Mm -hmm. So when I was finishing design, I had already graduated from business. I was finishing design and our bachelor project, you could do whatever you wanted. Like the mm -hmm. topic could be super open, mm -hmm. but you have to choose a design approach. Mm -hmm. So um, in that time, I was going through like personal stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was being, I had been for like a year of a, like, I don't know, soul finding journey mm -hmm. of who I was, like a spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. And I had, I don't know, I crashed into a wall that mm -hmm. was like a sexuality wall. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not living this the way I wanted to live it, you know, like, mm -hmm. Yeah, plain point. That was it. You know, for me, sex wasn't like the greatest thing ever, the greatest connection, a spiritual, like what Osha says, that is like the connection between the earth and heavens. Mm -hmm. And for me, it wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. So, and I have also been working, being an overachiever <laughs> since mm -hmm. I was like in my fifth semester. So first I worked with um, a fashion writer. And then I worked uh, building a spam in the wellness industry. And the fashion writer is a huge feminist and a very important voice of feminism in Colombia. Mm -hmm. And she had given me some books. Mm -hmm. And she had like taken me like through feminism in a very loving and caring way. Mm -hmm. So I was reading that and I was like, mm, like I, I, I identified like the huge problem that it is to have sexuality be a taboo, especially mm -hmm. in a country like Colombia, mm -hmm. because when it's a taboo, people don't talk about it. And then mm -hmm. that goes into teenage pregnancies, mm -hmm. illegal abortions, mm -hmm. um, homophobia, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of things, you know, mm -hmm. abuse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, I like this topic. I can't stop thinking about it, reading about this. I'm going to do my bachelor project on this. I don't know what I'm going to design. But like the design way of thinking is that you shouldn't have your final product when you begin to design. You should just have like the user and the topic mm -hmm. and then you'll get a product. And mm -hmm. that's super hard to do. Like usually you were, you're like, no, I want to do a chair. Mm -hmm. but, but that approach is super fulfilling because you're actually like enjoying the process. Mm -hmm. So I began with that topic and I remember my first week, our Like the, um, I had a teacher who was doing like, I don't know, supervising the, the bachelor project mm -hmm. and she gave me some question. It's a famous questioner from, from an artist. And while I was like filling out the questions, I realized I'm not doing this to help like the, I don't know, everyone in Colombia, mm -hmm. I'm doing this to help myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. that's the core of empathy and storytelling, you know, because mm -hmm. When you want to talk about a project, you want to know why someone is personally committed, you know? Right. Like, like why are you doing this, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so I was like, I have to fix or I don't know, not fix, but I have to heal first. Mm -hmm. And then I can think about, you know, helping others heal. I can't just be like Christopher Columbus or like, <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to go there and teach people. No, because I didn't even know. Mm -hmm. how it looked like to have like a holistic and healthy and happy um, relationship with my sexuality. So that's how I began. I remember I told my parents, mm -mm, I didn't, I never told my dad. I told my mom and just assumed like she would tell my dad or whatever. 
<laughs> and I opened an Instagram page mm-hmm. where I began to post. Like I had like a sketchbook, mm-hmm. a, a physical one. And mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be like hidden in a drawer forever. Mm-hmm. So what I decided to do was take pictures and upload it on Instagram, but just to have it on the digital format. Mm-hmm. And what began to happen was like my friends started to ask questions and mm-hmm. people wanted to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I uploaded a picture saying like he wants to talk to me about sexuality over a coffee. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom told me like, oh, you should uh, you should put a disclaimer and say that's because of your university work it's a project and it's not because of anything else okay exactly she was worried about what oh what would people say oh my god your daughter is talking about sexuality who talks about stuff like that but my my mother is a very particular person i've always said that she has a superior brain Mm -hmm. my mother doesn't care about what people say and it's so weird but my mom is like the only person on earth i've ever met Uh who is like so I don't know, focuses on her life and her family that she doesn't care about what other people say. So she told me that at the beginning, but then like she never ever cared again, you know, she, mm-hmm. that's the only comment she ever did. Mm-hmm. And then they were super supportive. A lot. I worked a lot on it. A, a lot, a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. And then they went to my presentation day and I got um, like, a five out of five mm-hmm. in the grade. It was like really good. My parents were super proud. Mm-hmm. My dad sent the project to all of his friends. <laughs> I was so embarrassed <laughs> because it was like, I don't know, 50 year old guys. I was like, how are they going to react to this information? And now they're super proud. They share it with all of their friends. They, uh-huh. I think my mom has never listened to another podcast in her life besides my podcast, but she listens to it every Thursday uh-huh. and she sends it to her friends. Uh-huh. I know. And she teaches her friends how to go on Spotify, how to look for a podcast. <laughs> that is awesome. So now, so yeah. after that project, you actually took it to the mm-hmm. next level because now you're like doing it on a regular basis. You have a team and you're, and you put in a lot of work for that because it's on the condition of anonymity because a lot of people don't like to, you know, they don't like to tell their names or they don't want to tell you mm-hmm. or they're afraid that other people are going to find out or whatever, right? So they don't, so a lot of your stories are collected um, on, on a condition of anonymity. So how do you, how do you get people to tell their stories or you don't even have to worry because they'll come to you anyway? How, how does that happen? Okay, so first I want to like, clear something up and it's like I didn't take it to the next level for like a year and a half after I did the project mm-hmm. I remember I graduated and it I did I was really happy you know five mm-hmm. out of five but my mm-hmm. overachiever brain was happy and then um, I knew I wanted to be my life project but I didn't know how to materialize it mm-hmm. so I worked in hospitality mm-hmm. And in the wellness industry for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And while I was working there, um, I began to do like, I don't know, gatherings at my house in Bogota. Mm-hmm. And I invited people over. I got some beer, pizza, and we chose a, I chose a topic and I sent the topic before the, the gathering. So, mm-hmm. for example, I don't know. Um, cheating and mm-hmm. monogamy, whatever. Mm-hmm. We chose these topics, and it was super weird because a lot of people who I didn't know, like people who were friends of friends, began to go. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, there's something here, and they want to talk about this, but I, I wasn't sure 
how I can turn that into a project because I've never done a podcast. And this is important. I don't know if you noticed this because I'm like doing an effort and speaking in English, but in Spanish, I speak super fast. Mm -hmm. I speak fast and I, I don't like vocal, vocalize. Is that a word? Yeah. Okay. So when I speak, I don't emphasize. And like, I remember my teachers were like, open your mouth. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I was always the girl who was like very smart at school, uh -huh. but who spoke super fast, especially mm -hmm. when I'm like, in that comfort zone with my parents when right. I spend a lot of time with my family and mm -hmm. for example in vacation I come back my friends are like breathe speak slowly <laughs> so no one ever thought I was like why would that person who speaks super fast would have a podcast <laughs> and I had no idea how to do a podcast you know I was like and the, the microphone the editing was like super intimidating to me Mm -hmm. So when you did your uh, project, mm -hmm. when you did your project, was that also on a, as a, on a podcast medium? We, I called it an illustrated podcast. So what okay. I did was that I interviewed people mm -hmm. and then um, I did drawings and animations. So okay. it was like a video with audio. Oh, okay. And we had the real voices. I okay. tried to do another person's voice, like okay. a voiceover. But at that time, it sounded super fake. Okay. And then we discovered something and that like a, like that was like an MVP. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, uh, yeah, it was just like the, the raw audio. Mm -hmm. And then my teacher's husband has a foil company fully like the, the people who do the sounds for the music for the oh. films, you know? Okay. Okay. Like if you have to put like a bullet, they design the sound. Oh, and, okay. And they did the sound for uh, this movie. I don't remember the name in English. El abrazo de la serpiente. Like the translation is like the hug from the snake. The snake. I'm sure it's not the exact name, but it's a movie super famous. It won prizes on Cannes. It's like oh, an okay. Amazon movie about a, a woman who moved to the Amazon. I don't remember, okay. but it's a super famous movie. Okay. So they had the company and she loved the project. And she was like, someone in the company is going to fix the audio for you. Okay. So they did it, but it was like an intern and it was for free. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fine. Mm -hmm. And so we had like these videos, but the resolution wasn't really good, but people liked them. But it was original, like the original voice. And I mm -hmm. remember my friends saying like, can you please like show it on your project, but don't put it on Facebook. Right. Because somebody would recognize. Facebook. Yeah. Somebody would recognize. Exactly. It. Okay. Uh-huh. So mm -hmm. that's how I, there was like an insight. People don't want their voice to be heard right so um so now when you're doing your project so after you you know a year and a half later you decided to do the mm -hmm. podcast uh how did you figure out what you had to do because now you, you couldn't do this by yourself you needed help mm -hmm. you need to collect you know find people um your topics and then you have to cover up the voice so how did how, how what was your what's your process like how do you find them okay i'm going to tell you That, and then I'm going to tell you what you asked me before about how people tell me the stories. Mm -hmm. So the process was basically that I've always, I was like, no, I want that my, my business or like the big brand is called the, the Black Bean. Mm -hmm. And then I see the intimacy stories that it's a podcast, just like a branch, you know, mm -hmm. like a, a product. Mm -hmm. So, um, so what I did was I went to Bogota for a weekend. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And some guys. I went to college with me 
they mm-hmm. have a podcast, a super famous podcast in Colombia. Mm-hmm. And but that time, like the podcast industry in South America is very small, it's growing super fast right now. But like two years ago, 2018, 19, mm-hmm. I remember it was very small. Mm-hmm. And they have a podcast on um, it's called the 13% in Spanish. And the 13% like a very a percent percent okay. percent mm-hmm. because they say just like supposedly only the 13 percent percentage of people are happy in their jobs so they interview those 13 percent oh, okay <laughs> okay that's interesting yeah so i remember i like i knew who they were one of them but mm-hmm. we weren't friends but i'm not shy at all so mm-hmm. it's like hey what's up it's me someone gave me your phone mm-hmm. hey do you want to go and grab coffee Mm-hmm. So we went to, for coffee, the three of us, and I was like, I want to launch a podcast, blah, blah, blah. Can you please tell me? I don't know. I didn't even know what to ask, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, but my main question was, should I do this by myself mm-hmm. or should I go the, to, I don't know, like the name of these companies, but you, I'm sure in the United States you have this, that there are companies that are now offering you the service of a podcast. You know, you just have to go to the studio and talk, but they do everything. Like they do the merchandising, okay. they do the branding. Mm-hmm. And I think they own the IP. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. at that point, I didn't know anything about anything. Mm-hmm. So I told them, I know this guy, like this company who makes a podcast, blah, blah, blah. But the podcast, like the name of the podcast is, for example, Apples and Potatoes by the name of that company you know okay, not right, the name right, right. of the actual host mm-hmm. and they told me like our advice is if you're going to put the time into this do it by yourself mm-hmm. like you can figure it out you're a designer we mm-hmm. are two there were a lawyer and a and the other guy studied business mm-hmm. or, like if we were able to do it you're going to be able to do it mm-hmm. so i talked to them and i have a friend maria that has been the project since day one, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know, for different reasons. Maria went to school with me to high school mm-hmm. and she studied here in Medellin in like communication or something. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing my bachelor project, she moved to Bogota mm-hmm. to take courses, like acting courses. And she wanted to be a voiceover actress. So like to talk in movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I remember on my bachelor project experiment, she was the one who did like the voice for one of the audios, mm-hmm. but I didn't like it at that time because voice over actors, they speak not like a true person. I don't know if this happens to you, but for example, I, if I went to watch a movie, I have to watch it in the original language because the translation is super fake, you know? Right, right, right. It's like if they're saying, like, you're touching my hand, they're like, and he touched my hand. <laughs> no one talks like that. <laughs> so the emotion doesn't come out because it's just words. Exactly. And right, the most right. important thing about a story is the emotion. Like the emotion is the thing that connects to empathy, which right. connects to storytelling. I don't care if your voice is not perfect. I just right. want emotion. Right, right, right. Sometimes so, you don't so even have to Marie. say anything. It's just the the voice. You hear the, right. Exactly. When the voice cracks. And mm-hmm. that's a super important part of our podcast. Mm-hmm. So, so I told Maria, um, and Maria had never ever done a podcast in her life, but Maria is the kind of person who says, yes, like if I tell her, can you build a building? She's like, fine, yeah, I can do it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like she figures something out. So I told Maria and I would begin to work with her. Do you like February the before coronavirus? Like mm-hmm. we already saw coronavirus in the news, but I was like, oh, you're overreacting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not like this is going to pass. Mm-hmm. So I've begun to work with her, mm-hmm. but I also had like 
other side jobs, like freelance jobs, mm-hmm. because I just, I quit it like one month before that, my hospitality job. Mm-hmm. And then I began to work with Maria. I have, I had four stories that were the stories that I had and the scripts that I had from mm-hmm. my first, like the bachelor project. Mm-hmm. And we recorded them. She did one of the voices. A friend of her did the other. And we got like two actors to the other voices. Ah, no. And our first episode, we had a guy. It was like, I don't know, a friend of a friend. And he's an actor. And he acts like in TV shows and mm-hmm. everything here. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I love your project. I'm going to do it. And he's acting like we were like our jaws dropped. <laughs> Like it put the standard super high. So right. we decided to launch that as our first episode. And everyone thought that was a real person. So we were like, okay, there, there's something here. You know, right. we were mm-hmm. able to tell a story mm-hmm. without using the real voice. And our like the, our rate of measuring is like, I have to feel it. So mm-hmm. there's something about like the way our brains work. Your brain doesn't distinguish between a light and true. That's true. So that's why when you are anxious, and you create a scenario in your in your mind, your brain suffers like for right. real. Like right. you cry and you're really scared. So that's why when you watch a movie, you know it's people acting. You know, like person dies in a movie, he's not dead. Right. But you cry. Right. So whenever I need to hear the actor saying this story, even though I know he's not his story, he has to make me laugh mm-hmm. or cry or shiver. If he doesn't, if he doesn't do that, it's not working. Right. So that's how we got to measure that. And that what we tell is that every story is a real story. And I remember when I was young, like seven, seven or eight, I loved watching the Titanic with my mom. Mm-hmm. But the best part about the, the, the Titanic, it was that it was real. So mm-hmm. when I finished any movie, I asked my mom, mom, but is it real? Is it mm-hmm. real life? Mm-hmm. And when she said, yes, for me, the story, like the movie had like a huge value mm-hmm. when she said, no, it's not real. I always went it, waited to the end of the movie to see the credits because mm-hmm. I wanted to know if it said based on a real story. Right, right, right. So I think, I don't know why that's super powerful. Like mm-hmm. people always want to know if it's real and mm-hmm. they're all real. Mm-hmm. So that's how I began with the team and then it started to grow and then we needed someone to do their editing because Maria and I had no idea how to do anything. Mm-hmm. But I think... Everything is on YouTube also. Like mm-hmm. the technical part of everything is right. on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, life hack. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure everyone knows. But I think what is important is like the core. And mm-hmm. that's where my design background and my business mm-hmm. background, I think that comes in. Mm-hmm. So how are you able to pay for all of this? I mean, do people, how do you, because uh, I remember you said that you have a, an investor who is helping you with that. Mm-hmm. So how did that come about? Okay, so first I was using my savings. Mm-hmm. I've always been, since I worked, since I was in college, I had my savings, but I was like, I don't know why, like very, I don't know, the word is not cheap, but I didn't want, never, I never wanted to expend my savings. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, that's why you save money for, to use it. Mm-hmm. So, so at the beginning, I, the pandemic started, I moved it to my parents' place, I wasn't doing anything. So, we didn't pay the actress and Maria figure out how to edit. She had never edited in her life. So we were doing this just like as we could do it. And then, and then um, I needed the guy to do the sound. And then I wanted to pay Maria. So 
I first began to pay with my own money, like my savings. And my mom also put like a little bit in. And then on December, I run into an old friend of mine Mm -hmm. who is at this like, I don't know, startup, uh, Y Combinator kind of brain. Okay. And we we went for dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. And we talked, like, he loves the podcast. Like, mm-hmm. he ha- he knew that podcast since it began and all the project. Mm-hmm. And I told him that I had an idea how to monetize it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get a product out. Mm-hmm. And I told him about the product. And I think, I think this is a great idea. Please take my money. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want your money. I don't want to touch anyone's money. What am I doing? <laughs> like, for me, this wasn't a, you know, it was like, just like, I'm just trying things out. Uh-huh. But when you get someone's money, it's a compromise. Like right. you have to do this, you know, right, like right, right. there's pressure. Mm-hmm. And I wanted his mentorship mostly, mm-hmm. honestly, you know, mm-hmm. because my brain, I always say I'm a very unpractical person. Like my brain doesn't work in a practical way. And my mom is always like, for example, whatever, if I'm going to move to another place, like the practical things, pack everything up, take the big things. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm going there. I'm going to take a candle <laughs> and my crystals. <laughs> so, so that rock that works actually really well for the creative side. You know, like for storytelling, I'm very detail oriented. I mm-hmm. love. Um, I don't know. We we have different like arts for every single episode because I don't know if you know this, but in South America, like the biggest podcast, um, listen, um distributor is a Spotify, not Apple podcast. Right. So in Spotify, you can have different covers. So we have right. the art different for every episode because I'm very like detail oriented. But mm-hmm. since I'm like that, I sometimes get distracted from the big picture. And I told him, I want someone who thinks about money and business, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's when he, the investor came in and it has been great. It's just only two months, but I found about on deck because of him. And he's like keeping me grounded, but he lets me do all the art direction and everything mm-hmm. I like to do. Mm-hmm. But I have at least someone to talk about decisions, you know, because doing right. this without a partner is super hard. I know how people right. who oh, like build a business by themselves. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's always about my, I love my team. Mm-hmm. My friends contribute a lot. Every Like my community. So what, where, um, where do you see your, because you said it's only been about a couple of months since, you know, you got an investor and now you have a mm-hmm. team. So where do you see your podcast going from here? So I want to create a, like a whole ecosystem for intimacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why at the beginning it was super hard to differentiate, like why the black bean, why intimacy stores, if it's the same thing, but I was like, no, it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, so now that we are launching our first product, it's super exciting because the product is also going to have a different name. Mm-hmm. And I see it just like an ecosystem of services and products around around intimacy. So for me, Intimacy Stories is not a podcast. It's just like the channel through which we're distributing stories right now, you know. Mm-hmm. But then it could be a book. It could be, I don't know, a, a th- on theaters. Mm-hmm. Like there are just stories and there are many channels to tell your story. Mm-hmm. And I never answer you what you asked about how people tell me the story. Mm-hmm. So how do they tell you their so, story? So we launched the first four episodes. And so I was like, okay, we have these four scripts. Let's go. Episode four, I was like, this is like, it was like a, a turning point because I had to decide, do I want to continue doing this? Or this is just going to end up here. You know, mm-hmm. I had never done, like I did just those interviews 
on my bachelor project, but not like last year when I, we began with the podcast. So I was talking to a friend and he was like, no, I have a story. And he told me a story and we published it. And then I started to ask around to some friends. And then by episode seven, six or seven, it snowballed. And everyone started to come to me and tell me, I love your podcast. I have a story. I wanted to, t- I wanted to tell it to you. So it's very weird because now we have like stories just come to us. Like maybe if I want to talk about a specific topic, I'll look for this story. And on our Instagram account, we have like our community that we call the Black Bean Tribe. And we have some courses. And that's why I get to know a lot of people. Like for me, I've met so much, so many people in the pandemic, mm-hmm. like virtually. Mm-hmm. And that's how we get our story. So people get like a safe space to tell this story. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. At the beginning, it was weird because it's like, I can't believe you're telling me this. Mm-hmm. I'm a stranger. I am, I am not a therapist. Like, <laughs> right? Exactly. And I'm not a therapist. But I think sometimes people, it's easier to open up to someone you don't know. Right. And like, who's not going to judge you and who you don't have to see ever again. So mm-hmm. this is how we get us, our stories. And I think I'm generally interested in listen, listening to everyone's story because I think that everyone has something to say. You know, mm-hmm. I think in the podcasting world lately, a lot of people, because they want to get numbers or whatever, they just interview big like household names, how mm-hmm. they call them. Mm-hmm. Mm, but I think everyone like your podcast which i really like about it everyone has a story to tell so right. that's why i love listening to people yeah no i agree i'm just like you said i love listening to the story because there's everybody has their own trials and tribulations that they mm-hmm. went through you know it's a hard time that kind of pushed them to do something and then they're like mm-hmm. okay i have to do this or you know made them do something that they thought they probably never could could have done so it's it's a it's a very powerful medium, but um, but you should be really proud of what you've achieved. You're you're young. Look at you. I mean, uh, you have investor and you've got your podcast going, and people are like lining up to tell their story. And you're talking about a t- topic that is not you know that people are mostly not comfortable with. But so you're almost like you're the agent of change. So when 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 other people when you see other people or other people ask you what kind of advice would you want to give them somebody who wants to follow their dreams what would you tell them Okay so I'll tell them first I think you we all have to heal the way we think about success because for me I've always like my brain is like I don't know my brain's way weird I have like a half of my brain is super creative artsy mm-hmm. but the other half is like I want to be Forbes 30 under 30 and we're constantly receiving information about Forbes 30 under 30 people and Mm -hmm. super successful. I'm like 21. I built an app that saved the whole world. (laughs) So the way we view success is like never enough, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I guess for me at some point it was like, no, if I launch it, it's success. And then no, if I get this many listeners, it's success. So I think every day I have to talk myself into like being present happy what you are now and everything can change at any second mm-hmm. so i think success is just like doing what like you feel like you are doing like value not just for you but also for other people mm-hmm. and so like reevaluate your vision of success i think that's the first thing that you mm-hmm. should think about um, before i worked in the podcast i was as i was working in hospitality and i was 
I had supposedly like a job everyone wanted, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they were like, I have the best job. You work at the best place. And mm -hmm. I was like so burnt out. I was dying inside. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember I told my boss, I'm, I'm like, I can't do this. It's killing my soul. I told mm -hmm. him this is killing my soul. But like for me, like for Alejandra, it's important to be a creative being and also I see my life as a whole mm -hmm. maybe, maybe other people don't but I can't separate work from personal life right from emotional life you know right. for me I'm a whole being so if mm -hmm. I'm really like if I'm suffering my in my job it's going to translate to every aspect of my life right so I think that just like understanding yourself and do not put pressure yourself on the pressure on yourself on those words like dreams passions i think that's like full of pressure for me it's just like follow your curiosity you know mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. this is my curiosity maybe in a month i'm going to be like i'm done with this i don't want to do this anymore and it's fine i don't think you have to be married to to your passions i think right. so that's like um i don't know i don't like that word i just like following my curiosity right and trying to figure it out like I have no idea what I'm doing you know I'm improvising every single day of my life <laughs> I love that <laughs> so now looking back you know knowing what you know now is there anything you would have changed yes I think usually people in interviews are like no I wouldn't change anything everything happened at the right moment and of course life happens the way it happens you know right right but yeah, I think if I could change two things um, when I was in school I loved, I've always loved fashion mm -hmm. and I work in fashion. I don't, I didn't want to continue the fashion industry because I think it's like going to high school again, mm -hmm. but I love fashion like for mm -hmm. myself. And I remember um, my friends, it was like the blogging, mm -hmm. like the, I don't know, like golden years of blogging. Mm -hmm. And I remember my friends were like, no, you show up at like a fashion blog or mm -hmm. post your pictures on Instagram. And that was actually how the name, the black bean was born. Mm -hmm. But I remember I was so afraid of what people thought of me that I never did it. I was like, blogging is like for losers. If you uh -huh. want to be an influencer, like, like so pathetic. Uh -huh. And, and I, I, I didn't do it. And then like, I'm now I'm building a community and an audience and everything happens at the right time. Right. But I think like, if I look back, if I tried it when I had the idea and uh -huh. I know I could have done it, uh -huh. I could have even more, more. experience, you know? Right. So I would, I think I would just like dive in, you know, mm -hmm, like it's mm -hmm. never going to be perfect. So I think I would change that because I was too stuck on what people think of me, you know? Mm -hmm. And of course I still care. But if like right now I'm talking about like a intimacy and sexuality, that's like a super hard topic. Right. Back then it was fashion, you know, it was, right, like, right. It was a way more digestible topic, right. but I didn't want to be not cool. Mm -hmm. And it was like perceived to be either you were like the best blogger ever or if you know you were like a wannabe. Oh, so okay. I think I do. I regret that. I would have changed that. Um, like being so hesitant. I think that's that's important. What would you have told your younger self? <laughs> Knowing what you know now, what would you have told your younger self? To be patient. My 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 dad, since I was little, my dad, he jokes and he says, you weren't in the line when they were giving that out to patients. <laughs> and, and that's totally true. I've, I'm working on it because <laughs> since I'm impatient and you know, get up like a girl who is impatient, overachiever, and wants to be Forbes 30 under 30. <laughs> so when you have like this in your brain, 
like you don't do things because you just want to know the result. Mm -hmm. And I think you can't be focused on the result. I I read a book that I loved last year that's called uh, Deep Work. Mm -hmm. And they talked about how like you can focus on two kinds of results. Mm -hmm. I think they're like lean or unlead. I think they're called like that. But like basically they are like, I can either focus on how many listeners I have, like the numbers, or I can focus on how good my script is. Right. I can't, I literally physically can't affect how many listeners I have, you know, that's right. a result. Mm-hmm. I can't affect my script, you know, so focus on your script and mm-hmm. then do like the other kind of a result of way to measure it will come, you know? Right. And I think that I've, I would have told that, you know, like be more patient about everything, not just job, but myself, my personal growth. Like I remember I took my first yoga class and I already thought I had to be like a Zen Nirvana forever. (laughs) And I mean, in life is not like, mm, it doesn't work on a timetable anyway. Right. Exactly. It doesn't, you know, (laughs) and the process are not linear. Life is not like a math equation. Like it's not going to be, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think my dad maybe was right when <laughs> he talked about patience, but I'm getting there. I'm getting better. No, no, the, you definitely are. I'm really, I'm really impressed, and I really love the passion that you have with how you're, um, you know, going, going behind your your podcast and talking about a topic mm-hmm. that is a tough topic. You know, it is a very tough topic, yeah. and especially when you're in a country that doesn't encourage that kind of uh, discussion, it makes it even more hard. So. Um, I wish you the very best of luck. And I'm sure I'm going to see you on a Forbes 30 under 30, Alejandras. <laughs> <laughs> Forbes at time, you're listening to this. No. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Forbes, if you're listening, check her out. <laughs> but no, but thank you so much for being on the show and um, sharing your journey. Um, I am really excited to see how your uh, company um, grows. And I know your your podcast is just growing every day. So I think after um, ODP, I, th- I can see it go even further. So very the very best of luck to you. And I will be talking to you soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you for having me here. I loved it. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.